Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Co. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Can we just give it up for dads right now? Being a dad today is not easy. I got my dad here. He's going to help me preach today. Y'all happy about that? Um, the dad jokes video that we just saw, I thought that was pretty funny. We, we used to, I told this to somebody this week, I'm like, oh, dad would tell jokes around the dinner table. And as soon as he would start, you could always tell the way that my dad would tell a joke because he'd start laughing before he even started talking. And so he'd be, <clears throat> and his head would go down and he'd be having a moment. And Ryan and I would just, we'd put our forks down and just put our heads down. Wait for it. And he'd like kind of choke this joke out. But by the time he got to the punchline, he'd been laughing already at his own joke for so long. And then the ride would be like, can we go back to eating? And mom would be like, mom, every time was, was, Richard, you're so clever. We're like, don't encourage him because it's just more dad jokes that are coming at you. I think it's the same with my kids. Uh, being a dad is hard today, but we get a little bit of slack. If uh, It's just a lot of work, and we need to honor, give honor to whom honor is due. Um, let me, um, there's a couple of things coming up here. There's this little thing called the baptism Woo! next weekend, and so this is going to be a packed place, and the weekend after is Canada Day. Just give me a minute, but the baptism videos, I need to give a huge shout-out to, we've been doing baptism interviews for three weeks now, a huge shout-out to production, but particularly to Jesse Fair. Who has how many videos? What's the final count? 27 baptism videos. We did 22 in January. God has, God has been good to Venue Church. It matters to us. It's our currency here. Is a life saved is worth everything. That's why we really go after this. And what this does is it puts the confrontation of the gospel in front of people. Because everybody knows I'm going to be asking about their friends. Like, hey, have you talked to them? Have you talked to them? There's this moment in time when you get confronted with the gospel of Jesus. You've got to decide what you want to do with it. Will you accept it and walk in, or will you walk out? You have to do, but at least we're bringing people to that decision of being able to do that. Now, we got to get them in small groups, so we need some more small groups, particularly in the fall. Uh, Canada Day, we have a free movie for the city of Airdrie. If you're watching online or listening, you have friends um, with kids or whatever. What age is going to be in the theater for The Last Jedi? This is all on us. Popcorn, everything, it's all on us. Just come here at 6 o'clock. Actually, come here at 5 o'clock because the doors will open and get a seat. We'll show a pre-show or something like that. Um, what age is going to be in the theater? Eight and up. Eight and up. Last Jedi. You uh, kind of deal with that with your own kids. If your kids don't believe in the Force or whatever, <laughs> and uh, you just decide if your if your kids can be in here. But there will be childcare. There will be minis uh, in the lab here at the theater, and we will take care of them, and they'll have their own awesome night as well. And so that's going to be a live music intermission. We're going to have giveaways. I have two Beats by Dre's to give away. I got lots of stuff to give away, and so it's going to be awesome. What we're going to do is uh, do that during the intermission, I think. I haven't really thought about this, so invite people. Yeah. You live in Airdrie? Invite your neighbors. Get them out here, because we're going to do a couple of live songs in the intermission so they can see, wow, this is what church is. This is not like the church that I grew up in, and so that's going to be awesome. All right. Yeah. This is my dad, Richard Cope. Can you give him another Hi. hand? Would you do Good that? to be here. I should mention one thing uh, before we get moving too far in this is that our Night at the Movies series in July, we're going to be going through movies like Ferdinand, things that Ferdinand taught me, things that Peter Rabbit taught me, things that Thor Ragnarok, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. He's the guy who's doing Thor Ragnarok. He's going to love it. I have different communicators coming and doing that, but these are live only events. If you miss one, we can't podcast them because we will get sued by Marvel. 
I don't want to get sued by Marvel, but these are live-only events. Come and bring your unchurched friends, and what we're going to do is watch uh, segments of the movie and kind of do the, like a little teaching session in and around the movies, and it's going to be awesome. Do we have any common goats? Ferdinand, anyways. you got to come. It's going to be amazing. So this is my dad. Um, my dad is my pastor, and he's been my pastor for a long time. And so that was um, interesting getting used to that because he's my dad sometimes. He's my friend sometimes. He's my pastor other times. How does that look? Because now I'm his pastor. And how does that look and, and um, feel? And when I was young and, and in church culture and in my 20s, I made a point of calling dad pastor because I recognized there was something that God, just even as a pastor, brought into my life that, that was over and above even what my father brought to me, which was very, very, very important. And I realized that... Um, uh, I realized that I called him pastor because not because he needed it, because I needed it. As a young man, I needed to earn, learn that respect and, and to, to understand that God puts people in your life to help you, but he also puts fathers in your life. And my dad is a good, good father. We didn't sing good, good father tonight. I know that every other church in North America sang good, good father, but um, we didn't. Just because we're different, we just had to be different. I figured I'd start my timer there because we got two preachers in the house. Um, I won't get much time. <laughs> I do like to talk a bit. Hey, there's this, I was thinking about this, I changed my title late in the game here, but there's this, this intangible piece that you got from your father. This intangible piece that you can't quite put your finger on, maybe not you know, quite be able to describe that you got from your, your father. Maybe your dad's not here anymore, but Maybe your dad never was really there. Um, I don't know what your story is like. I don't know if your dad struggled or if he didn't even bother to struggle. If he was just like, I'm out. Um, That might be your story. Father's Day might be hard for you. Maybe he was good most of the time until he got drinking. Maybe he was addicted. Maybe he was an angry man. I don't know. Maybe your dad was soft, but he never stood up for anything. That might be your story. But there's something intangible that he gave you. Even if he wasn't there, there's something intangible that he gave you that drives you, that motivates you, that hurts you, that informs your behavior, that makes you feel something, and that made you who you are today. Maybe you're a father and you're like, oh wow, (laughs) I'm not getting things right being a father. I'm not who I should be yet. There's this ideal father in the ideal father kind of a gentle side but a protective side and also a ruthlessly like self-sacrificing side there's a hard honesty in a good father won't let you get away with stuff a steel backbone a firm belief that you can do better so get to it but for everyone here I would suggest that your father gave you much of the lens through which you see the world He gave you much of the lens that you see, your Heavenly Father, as well. The intangible thing is the hardest part to describe. It's just a thing that is. There's a slide I want to put up for you right now that I would love for you to take down and to be thinking about tonight particularly. There's this intangible thing that causes you to win or lose before the battle. I believe, fathers, that that's the peace that you give your kids or the peace you take away. Or the peace inside of you, no matter what your story is, that causes you to win or lose before the fight has even begun. The intangible peace. 
My dad, um, before we got married, we, Aaron had a, a, a bridesmaid who was supposed to be her maid of honor, I think. And um, she got a little crazy. Got any crazy friends in the house? And this was happening right before our, our wedding was taking place. And she actually got herself uninvited to the wedding because of her behavior, which we didn't want to do, but we had to do at the time. And, and she was going around to Aaron's friends, um, trying to talk them out of, I don't know if she didn't like me. Is that, was that the problem? Was I the problem? I can't imagine not liking me. Look, we were submitted to our church family and to our families, and we got the okay from everybody that mattered in the situation. She figured she had a special revelation from God. And uh, just because you're Christian doesn't mean you can't be weird. And when God's in the mix, things get really weird. Because God's telling you everything, I guess. And so I remember we were talking about this at the, at the dinner table, and, and Dad walks into the room, and Dad's like, what's going on? Because he could tell we were upset. And so I gave Dad the 20-second coat version. If you can't say it in 20 seconds, it's just too long. Like, pare it down. So I gave him the 20-second coat version, and Dad does something very interesting. He looks at us, one after the other, and then he snorts. He goes, that's about right, and walks out of the room. That was his first and last comment on that whole situation. The intangible thing. Did you have that growing up? It's available for you tonight. The intangible thing, whether or not your dad gave you that thing that was just like, hmm, okay. You're going to quit? You're going to stop? There was a whole story in behind that, but he'd seen it so many times that he's just like, if she want to be crazy, let her be crazy. What were we even talking about this for? Settled us down, got us married to each other. It was exactly what we needed to do, but the intangible thing, the intangible thing. At the end of the sermon, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get that intangible thing because if God is your heavenly father, he wants to give that to you. Watch for the intangible thing between us today. It's kind of a low-key magic. I can't really put it into words, but I'm starting to think about, you know, I want you to start thinking about what it might look like for you. And I want you to start dreaming that maybe that thing that you didn't get from your earthly father, you could get tonight yeah, yeah. from your heavenly father. Do you suppose that your father in heaven is limited by what? Your dad was like. Hmm. Hi, Dad. Hi. Good to be here, Corey. You know, something's been ringing in my spirit all week. He's not going to be able to stop himself. Give it. Yeah. Come on. It's, uh, it comes out of Come Matthew on, chapter 3. I've heard it before, read it many times. But today, uh, I just have a sense of this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Are you going to sacrifice me on a cross? Hold on. <laughs> that's, that's what's coming in my spirit today. And there is something on, coming down from heaven today for those of us who are here. I'm glad I'm here. I, um, I don't suppose that was probably the easiest child to raise. <laughs> no, you weren't. In fact, two days, two days after we brought you home, I remember, I think I remember Beth saying, I was sort of in a fog, and I think I remember her saying, um, if it's not too late, could we repackage you, and is there a refund? We'd like a refund. We've been thinking about this all week, I think. This is his time to get the zingers in. That's kind of funny. I was never so proud in my life when we brought Corey home. Uh, he wasn't the easiest child to raise, that's true. But uh, because he was headstrong, um, he was competitive, um, he could get real mouthy, and uh, 
So can stop. We had to we had to suppress him. Are we I don't know if we're allowed to say that anymore. Are we Pastor Corey was suppressed as a child. Oh, I needed some suppressing. All right. There was um there was one time I was thinking, are you gonna stand there? You're making I, me feel, I feel all weird. I feel like I'm standing. Yeah, I'm... Well no, you're obviously standing. <laughs> it's far easier to make a run for it when you're already standing. <laughs> I remember one time we, we lived in Los Angeles and I I got thinking to myself, you know, if a gang was ever chasing me down the sidewalk by my house, it had never happened, but there was gangs in L.A., and I thought, you know, if, I had this wild imagination, if this happened, I could duck in behind where the fence turned the corner, and if I loosened a couple of boards, I could kind of slip in there without them knowing where I was. <laughs> so I, um, I loosened some boards, and I thought, you know, I found a hammer or something, and I realized, wow, this is really easy to loosen boards on a fence, and I'm like... I need a fort. So dad comes home from work and found, like the fence, like taken apart. I don't know how much of it I'd gotten to, but it did not take long for me to take that fence apart. And I was in the middle of building a fort in the yard. And I wonder how many of those times that dad must have had uh, in my life just because I had all this energy and all these ideas. And he'd just come home and be like, what were you thinking? But the um, one thing that happened when uh, in Los Angeles that I... Uh, my mom brought this to my attention because I'd totally forgotten about this, but my dad was doing like pastoral ministry there, but he wasn't making a lot of money, and so we couldn't have what other kids had. And so I, I guess that my mom said to me that I, I had asked him, Dad, could you just, it's one of these moments as a child, right? Can you just get a real job so that I can get like nice stuff? <laughs> one of those moments like I think about now and it just hits me in my stomach like, oh, you know, when your kid says that thing to you that they should never say to you. And, but I, I don't that, know. I, that raised a couple of things in my mind. First of all, I'm quite competitive, and I wanted to go and get a real job and make a bundle so I could buy him some new shoes. Second thing, it brought to me a lot of guilt because I thought I should be able to do at least as well as the father beside me or the other fathers in the church. So uh, that raised some questions for me. But uh, he sure made me think. What else was uh, challenging, would you say? about uh, One of the most challenging things for me uh, since um, our firstborn was born was to leave him at home, especially once he got to walking, uh, to leave him home with uh, Beth uh, and go off to work and know that she's going to have to manage him till I get back. <laughs> and uh, she, did a, she did an amazing job of raising him. She's a, she's a great nurturer, and he needed a lot of nurturing. And I'm an organizer. And I could... Uh, By nurturing, know, are we talking about discipline? Yeah, I could do the... Yeah, he needed a, the odd discipline. But, you know, I learned how to discipline in love. Uh, that's a good thing to do. Yeah. You never discipline in anger. Right. And so you learn to discipline in love. You, you, you lovingly discipline. Let, let him know what's going to happen, uh, what's going to feel like, and then give him the feeling. <laughs> And watch the change. And watch the change. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's one thing um, very empowering, I would say, for your children as well. Um, Discipline was all about us. It it wasn't about mom and dad being in a mood. That's right. It just wasn't. It was like, well, we talked about this, and so I guess you'll be going without whatever for the next whatever because you decided this for yourself. Very empowering for a child. But um, you were really the the first in your family. Like, your family grew up in church, but then everybody left. But uh, you were the first in your family to follow God, like so many of your generation. What in raising your sons was important to you? Uh, the most important thing is, in fact, our church was, when we, we planted the church um, in a rural area in Alberta, and our church was um, made up of a lot of firstborns 
first in the family to be born again. Uh, the most important thing to me in raising our kids uh, really comes out of, as I see it now, it comes out of Ephesians chapter 6. There are two things that a child needs. He needs to learn to honor father and mother, and he needs to learn to obey. And those two things, without question, are the most important things to me for my sons because I knew that would make them who they're going to be, to honor and to obey. So we tried to teach them those principles. Um, we're trying all kinds of uh, different, th we're trying candy, and we're trying bicycles, and we're trying um, movies, and we're trying all kinds of incentives to get our kids to like us. But the fact is God wants them to honor and obey so that they can follow him. It's the mo most important thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, let me... Yeah, go ahead. Um, Why don't you read this part? A couple of passages of Scripture, out of, uh, one out of Exodus 13, verse 14, New Living Translation. It says, In the future, your children will ask you, What does all this mean? Then you will tell them, With this, the power of this mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. God wanted us to have a testimony that's going to challenge the minds of our kids so that they would ask the question, What are we doing here? And how did this happen? And what happened? And uh, so we put ourselves in a place, a walk of faith, as we stepped out to follow God so that our children would be the recipients of a great testimony that God put into our family. Uh, that was very important to us. Then another passage of Scripture, Psalm 145, verse 4. Um, the, the, this verse says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. We were looking for God to do something very powerful in our lives so that our kids would note it. Not just ordinary, do, not just ordinary living for us. We wanted to see God's power. And, and uh, he, he led us in a pathway that um, we were forced to rely on him. And he did demonstrate his power. And that's the testimony we gave to our, our children. That is why we, we have a son who has honored God, who does honor God, who honors us, and who can serve um, serve God well in the ministry. You know, that's, uh, let me jump in there. The, there's this thing going around now that you kind of let your kids raise themselves or let society raise mm -hmm. them or basically let anybody raise them but you. There are times when you lead your children where you're like, no, this is the right way. Follow me. It doesn't matter that you're a mess. You still have to give them guidance. You still have to give them direction. It should give you a fear of God so you don't screw up your kids. But it's that thing like you still have to lead when you're not in a good way. You still have to lead them. They are looking to you for mm -hmm. leadership. And so that whole thing of God leading us into into Christianity, leading us into a relationship with God, I am so glad that they stepped up to the plate and didn't, didn't lead, you know, your kids will follow somebody. You want them to follow their friends in grade four? No, they will follow somebody. If, if you've got a relationship with God, lead them into that. There's these times when you're like, follow me. Paul, the apostles said, follow me as I follow Jesus. Like, come on guys, let's go. And so, um, some things are easier to learn from fathers. And my dad has a small group running right now that uh, if you need that, that fathering thing, that's, it's, is something that only fathers can really give you. And so I might be kind of your big brother in the church or that, you know, I'm still the pastor of the church or the lead pastor of the church, but there's something that you get from fathers. And these are some of the things, if you're interested in that, talk to them afterwards. Um, but these are some of the things my dad taught me, and I'm going to give you these as bullets. Are you ready? Right. These are going to be like quick. Number one, your word should not be broken. If you can be bought, of what use are you? That's all your kids got. That's all your people got. Your word should not be broken. If you give your word, keep it. If it hurts, you keep it. You don't get to go back on your word. Number two, 
This is probably my favorite one. Not everyone will love you. Settle for respect. Never settle for anything less. That and today when I look at people in relationships, I realize there's a lot of people that are okay with not being respected in relationships. Now, respect is a funny thing, and I'll get to that in a minute, but that whole idea of like, you son, this is what my dad would, would tell me. You, not everybody's going to love you, especially not if you're working for God. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to love you. Settle for respect. Never settle for anything less. That's very important to me. If I feel like, like respect, I'm being disrespected from the other side when I don't want anything from you, it's going to be hard for our relationship to go forward. I'm expecting to be respected because I respect you as a person. Um, number three, um, let me go back to that number two. My dad was not my homeboy growing up. So as funny as the shirt is, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is not your homeboy. He's the prince of heaven. He's the son of the living God. He is not your homeboy. There has to be this measure of respect between this gap between you that's called honor. Where you don't cross that line over to your father or to your God or to whoever's in authority, your boss, your manager at work. There's this gap between you called honor. And that thing, to me, I see a lot of kids wanting to be their, their a lot of parents wanting to be their best friend's dad. Well, if you're like 12 years old, I'm not going to, your best friend's dad. Best friend. You want to be your kid's best friend. But the thing is, you're supposed to be their dad first you'll be friends later but I don't have a lot of friends who are peers of mine that are 12 so I'm not going to be your best friend I'm going to be your dad that's what you need right now there are times even as a pastor I got to be your pastor I want to be your friend but I got to be your pastor too there's something in that relationship that God wants so I'm I'm these are not bullet points this is it's going to be bullet points now all right (laughs) number three is is my actual favorite one yeah people aren't thinking about you half as much as you think they are you're not that important son just relax. So good. Number four, the devil controls some people's timing. When I told you that story before about Aaron's ex maid of honor, the devil controls some people's timing. Don't let him control yours. If you're getting baptized, what do you think is going to, the weeks up in front of your baptism are going to be like? Don't let the devil control your timing. Show up. Make a commitment. Show right. up. Yep. If you don't feel like it, show up, especially when you don't feel like it. It's important. Number five, earn respect. Here's the thing. Earn respect. We used to say it like this in the, on, in the workplace. The last time I checked, you had to earn that. You get these young kids on site. They want respect. Earn it. Yeah. Love should be unconditional. I should love you no matter what you do as a person. That does not mean that you have my respect. That has to be earned. And the thing about God and the thing about our Father is there's that thing that you want to hear well done from them. You have to earn that. It scares us, but we still have to earn that. If it's free... Of what value is it? It's like getting a participant badge. It doesn't mean anything. Congratulations for showing up to grade four. You did what was legally required of you. I'm uh, bullet points. Okay. Here's one. Number six, don't take stress away from your kids. I know you want to shelter them. I know you want to protect them. Don't take stress away or they'll become weak. Stress can make your kid. Uh, You want your kids to be weapons in the hand of God. That takes fire. That takes hard situations at times. Don't get in between your kid and every pressure that they have. Don't be that helicopter parent. Super good. Number seven. Yeah, I was like preaching that to myself. Yeah, right. Like, that's super good. Yeah, Pastor Corey's right. Yeah, listen to Pastor Corey. All right. Don't let the anger of people move you. I heard somebody trying to discipline their grandchild and say, like, careful, grandma's angry. I'm like, heck no. (laughs) I don't care if you're angry. Did the child do something wrong or not? That has nothing to do with how you feel. Don't let the people... Look, if you train your children to respond to your anger, like, I'm losing my mind, it's time for you to stop your behavior. If they do that, what what happens next? They're going to marry somebody who can control them with anger. Don't don't let angry people control you. 
I'm not moved by the anger of people. Number eight, never quit. Never. Make it so the devil would have to kill you before you quit. If you finish, you win. That's right. That's it. Everybody's a winner if you finish. Number nine, um, here's, I, I got most of these points because I wrote most of the notes. So This one was super important to me. Probably one of the biggest gifts you can give your children. The tithe belongs to the Lord. The 10% of what I earn belongs to the Lord. This has never been a struggle to me because I learned from an early age, like, don't be found with God's money in your pocket. It's not yours. It belongs to God. Give it to God. He wants to bless you, but come on. This is what the Bible is asking. This is what Jesus said. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Number 10, my life is on me. Nobody owes you anything. Get to it. Don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder. Nobody owes you anything. Go out and earn it. That's great. Your turn now. I've got a few points too. I wrote these for... No, I didn't. You know, I'm, a, I'm an eternal student. Um, as soon as I'm not a student, it takes away my right to teach. So don't be teaching people if you're not a student. So I'm a student. I'm learning from my pastor right now. And some of the things that I've learned since we've turned the ministry over, some five years ago, um, I've learned some good things. Number one, the vision coming from God can come directly from God or can come through a person. And the vision to have this church here came through a person, came through Pastor Corey. And I had to adapt to the vision. God always uses people to build his kingdom, so never despise how God chooses to work either if he gives it to you personally, directly, or if he gives it to you through a person, even a child. Number two, I only need to submit to and follow whomever God gives to lead me. So once I've identified who's leading me, that's who I submit to. Every place I go, I look for authority. Because my my right is to submit. And as soon as I come into a place of submission, God anoints it. God is with you as soon as you submit. To an authority. We've got to learn this. Teach our children this. Number three. Keep thinking outside the box. Because traditions can bury you. Do you know that tradition said crucify him. Crucify him. It was the generation that was full of traditions. That crucified our Lord. And and, And those traditions from our past can still bury us. So let's get on with living. And let's get on with following the word of the Lord. And pass on tradition. Give that up. That's... And number four, adapt to the next generation to reach them. I mean, we're going through a process of adapting right now. Uh, our ministry was, our, our ministry of over 30 years was, um, a, it took a certain form. But right now, the ministry is calling for us to adapt so that we can reach a generation that God has called us to through the vision of the pastor he's given us. So adapt to the next generation. But you do it without compromising the principles of God. Let me share a scripture with you. Psalm 103 verse 7 in the New King James Bible. The the scripture said he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. Moses understood God's heart. The people only saw what happened as a result of what Moses got. You and I have the right to go to God to find out what's on his heart. That's our responsibility. But too many people just want to watch they, they go from meeting to meeting, from place to place, yeah. just to see some results, some acts. Let's be part of getting the acts I of think God. you're preaching my piece there. Okay. Was I preaching your piece? Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I was expecting it. 
Okay. Uh, what set Moses apart was that he followed God. I want to share one thing about Moses. Fathers, mothers too, but fathers, today, look at what happened to Moses. He was given a call to go to a promised land, but 40 years uh, before he actually stepped out to get into the wilderness to go to the promised land, he killed an Egyptian. There was a seed of anger in his heart. And for 40 years, Moses led a people very successfully, very powerfully under the rule of God. But it, he didn't get into the promised land because he never got rid of the seed of anger. 40 years he carried that weight of anger. But one day when God told him to speak to the rock and water would come out, he struck the rock. Because he was angry at God and he misrepresented God to the people. Fathers, if we are angry and we can't control our anger, we are misrepresenting God to our children. That's a very serious thing with God. So deal with it. Give it up. Crucify it. Okay. That's good. The, um, my dad was my Moses. Um, and I learned how to follow him. Very, very important. I don't think that people mm. learn how to follow people anymore. I think everybody in our society wants a direct shot at God. Well, what if God wanted it a little bit different? What if God put you in the body of Christ and then gave you a gift for the body of Christ and then gave them gifts for you and you're out there being the lone wolf trying to do your thing with Jesus and Jesus is like, that's not my plan. My plan is a local church. And I learned how to follow another man's vision and that's probably the most important thing that I ever did learn. Um, it says God made his, his ways known to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. This I think this is missing in our society today is that you can see the acts of God in the results, uh, like Pastor Richard was talking about, but you can see the acts of God, but then every new act surprises you because God is creative until you know the ways of God. Right. You can only learn the ways of God from the people that God gives you, and, and you can learn some of the ways of God from dealing with God directly, but I learned the ways of God from my Moses. He showed me the way that God works. See, Joshua got to go into the, into the promised land because he understood the ways of Moses who understood the ways of God. Then you can actually start predicting what God will do because you understand how he thinks. This is the, what the ways mean, the road. You understand the road that he travels on, his character, his manner, his habits, his direction, his thinking. When you understand that about God, then your life will not be a, one surprising shock to the next. You won't be constantly crying out for God to save you and help you all the time because you won't land in those places because you learned how to follow and learn God's ways. And so, um, so Dad, what was kind of like, we don't have like loads of time. Um, Dad grew up on the farm. And then he ended up kind of back in a rural community here. But what, what happened in that journey there? And then what scripture did God give you to kind of center your life around in there? Okay, 30-second testimony. Is that what, that's what you want? It won't be 30 seconds, okay. but go for it. I was raised on a farm, and that's where I learned discipline. I learned work habits. I had a father who was, um, who was um, a real loving father to me. He never once told me he loved me. Never once. But I knew he did. And, and just a couple of, um, just days before he died, he called me into his hospital room and he said, uh, take care of the family. And uh, that's probably the greatest act of words of love he ever gave me because I knew he trusted me and he, he, he passed on to me the, the care of the family. And so I knew he loved me. So I was raised on a farm. We had a dairy, we had, we had cattle and we had, we were, uh, cultivating grain, and so we had a lot of. Res I learned a lot of responsibility at an early age. I could probably, by the time I was in grade seven, I could run the farm, and um, and and I loved it. I was um, I was born to work. 
I was an ox, and I was born to work. So I came out of that kind of a setting and um, got into business. I love business even more because I learned to hate those cows. But I, it, when I got into business, I learned to love people. I learned to take care of people, and I love to handle money. I, I learned to, to be responsible Don't take that in, the wrong way. in handling money. Yeah, I, I, I love to handle the money for my company so I could be a profit to them. Okay, that was my responsibility. So I love business. I love the people. And then God called us out of that, right at the sort of the pinnacle of our, what I guess you could call it some sort of success. God called us out and he said, leave it. Had our new house. We had two fine sons. Um, and uh, God called us to move to California. And there we began to um, engage in a wilderness journey. Three years in the wilderness. In the wilderness is where God can teach you something. In the promised land, you use what you're taught. Okay, we want the promised land so that we can have everything God wants us to have. But ask God to give you the wilderness. Because he'll prepare you for greatness in the promised land. Um, I was, um, before we moved uh, back into to Alberta, we were in California for three years. And uh, God trained us there for three years. Like the disciples followed Jesus for three years. You know, I like to make it sound spiritual. And, uh, and so um, I came back uh, to um, our town in, in, uh, in Alberta. And I was walking through the streets of the town, the place where God had called us to come and plant a church. And I was walking through the streets. And I was pastoring in California at the time. Beth and the kids were, da- were down there. People loved us there. I loved ministry there. I loved our, we, we co-pastored the church and we loved our partners in, in ministry. And I was walking the streets in our town and I can still remember exactly where I was walking, which block I was walking on. And I said to the Lord, I, while I, w- I was praying, I was being very spiritual, I was praying. And I said to the Lord, I'm not coming to this place. I don't like this place. I'm not coming here. I'm going back to California, and we're going to have a great life there, serving you there. And this is what the Lord said to me. I could still hear the words. Right here. He said, if you don't come here, after the way I've called you, in the manner that I've called you, if you don't come here, uh, on your own, um, by your own decision, I'll bring you here the same way I took Jonah to Nineveh. That's what he said to me. And from that day, it was all settled. Okay. It was all settled. We went there. We didn't have any experience. We had to rely on God. We did the best we could. We had some support from our church in California. And we came here and we planted a church. Let me, and, um, because that was a ahead. long 30 seconds. Yeah. Let's uh, skip down to this piece right there. Okay. Um, because out of that church plant there in, in rural Alberta, we took a launch team to do this in Airdrie, uh, whoever wanted to come with us. Come on, who's on the launch team? Not the lunch team, the launch team. Yeah. Um, and just, just yeah, go to that last piece okay. there. God gave us a vision to pioneer ministry in, rural, in a rural community. And we had to submit to that vision because it came from God. It was a foundation. This, that ministry that he called us to was a foundation for the next generation. And the vision that would be imparted to them. We found, we found that that was, uh, it's like a 30-year seed for what's happening now. We have to be patient and, 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 and hang on. Okay. It was like a call, a call to Moses to lead the people out of the wilderness and prepare them for the occupation of the promised land. 
preparing the next generation was critical to this, for us to do our part in that place. And many of my generation didn't make it, just like they didn't make it in the wilderness. But it's the reason that Pastor Corey's launch team works so well. It is. They know what sets yeah, them so apart true. from their parents' generation. It's following orders. And ironically, they're much stronger and smarter than our generation was. I like that. You can take a compliment. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, we're talking about kind of a generational thing here. Here are four of the things that... that um, actually, I just wonder... Yeah. We need to kind of get moving here. That was a long 30 seconds. So... Um, let me go into, because I want to get to that last piece here. Then I'm going to just get into the four for four that comes way after all of that. And so um, that means that you have to do your next little part, the issues that you see. I'm just asking him, because we could talk about the, the other generation, but the generation that we're really here for, which I'm not saying your age or whatever excludes you, but the next generation that's coming up. Look, my daughter Arwen went forward. We had this uh, art conference, um, a pa- uh, this uh, conference for the church leaders, and we took some of our core team to. And my daughter Arwen went up because she's like, "Hey, I want to be a pastor." And I said in front of, right on. And I said in front of our team, "I'm like, sweetheart, it's not too late to say no." <laughs> and I said, "It takes a bit of crazy, though." Um, my dad was a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor, and so I. I said, well, tell you what, if you're crazy enough and God calls you to do it, then I'll build you something. Yeah, yeah. right. I'll build it for you. And uh, in that, um, the next generation that's coming up, I wanted dad to sort of say, like, what are some issues that you might see in the next generation coming up? Some mountains they're going to have to figure out how to climb that are kind of specific to their generation, maybe. Okay, listen up, everybody. <laughs> uh, in this generation, we're an entitlement generation. We have sort of a lack of a work ethic. I was a workaholic, and so I had a work ethic. Um, We've got to show up. We've got to show up on time. We need to learn to submit and to work, develop a work ethic. Number two, a lack of owning up. Uh, Don't fix the blame next door. Okay? You can't fix what you won't admit. And if you're not... Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't fix what you won't admit. Yeah. Wow. You can't fix what you won't admit. So admit you need a little help, and let's change. Okay. Number three, we've got a lack of grit. We're, we, we, I mean, how many six, day, how many six days do we need? I, I worked 12 years for a grain company. I think I had uh, four six days in 12 years. Come on. I got so many times I got healed while I was working. So let's, let's pick up the grit. Okay. And number four, lack of, lack of courage. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Is God not your helper? Yeah. He's, if he's your helper, you can do it. So uh, uh, we've got to get away from a survival mode today and, and see that we are we're, we're a different generation. Um, and we need to learn to risk. We need to hear from God and risk what he says and do it. We have to take the risk. That's good. There's a few things that I want to share that I see in the next generation coming up that you need to be aware of that I love about the next generation. The first one is that they're teachable. Mm -hmm. Now, the other generation wasn't super teachable. Um, They're teachable. They are hungry. They want to learn that they have access to information. You can't BS them about stuff because they'll Google you. 
And so this is why honesty and authenticity is so important to Venue Church, because that is what the next generation, they're living in a society that will tell them anything to sell them what they want to sell them. They're looking for authenticity, for real. That's why everything is like connecting the real you to real people and the real God. It's got to be real. If it's anything, it's got to be real. Number two, we want, they want to belong to something greater than themselves. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of self-driven people in the other generation. So yeah, they had grit, but they were also kind of self-driven. And it began and ended with themselves. And I don't want that to be the story. I want, I want you in the next generation right. to be a part of something that's so much bigger than you. So much greater than you that's worth everything. Number three, here's the kicker. And here's what will make you or break you. Is that they're looking for leadership. My generation, dad's generation, was not looking for leadership. We were not looking for people to follow. It hurt us. It stopped us. It capped us. The next generation is looking for somebody to stand up and say, follow me. God's given me a vision. Let's go. We've got to do something about this. This could change everything. That one piece could change everything. And number four, they could actually tip the scale into greatness, I think. I think there's a self, I mean, there's an entitlement that we've got to break down, but there's a selflessness about them that if we tap that and push them hard enough, I think they'll tip the scale into it. And that's our commitment as leaders is to tip that scale for you push you past your selfishness, push you into God's will and plan and destiny for your life. I mean, get behind you and like, hey, man, you can do this. Let's go. Show up on time. Let's go. Um, yeah. Do you, do you have some final words for yeah. us today? I love that about this generation. We have hope in them. Okay. Let me, let me give you a couple of final thoughts. Um, God calls leaders to stand up. You're never ready to move if you're sitting. So in your life, be standing, ready to go. You know how the people got out of the wilderness? They were standing, ready to go. And they all came out. Find your Moses, wherever it is, in your workplace, in your, in your home, in your youth group. Everywhere you go, find a Moses. Find somebody who's worth following. And step out. There's only one way out of the wilderness. It's God's way. You get the short way or the long way. But you're going to come out. Don't make hard work out of obedience. Okay, here's a tip. Love obedience. Choose to obey and love to obey. Okay, make yourself easy to lead. Make yourself easy to lead. Make a decision. I, I might have written that one for him. Make a decision. Make a decision. And when those emotions rise up to try to lead you, remember you've made a decision that's not based on your emotion. You can have emotion come on, come on, catch when that. you make the right decision. Come on, catch that. Okay. Then wow. put your emotion behind it, but make the right decision yeah. first and then move ahead. Yeah. Time uh, to grow up. That'll preach too. Oh my goodness, that's good. Make a decision. Let your heart and your head get behind the decision you made. That's called character. Yeah. <laughs> that's, when, that's when you stay when everyone else leaves. You draw a line in the sand and you say, I'm going to stay. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what happens next. I'm going to stay. I'm going to work this out. Wow, that's good. Um, I think that it's time here, and I just want to kind of roll into this thing because there is a great result required of the next generation. God expects more from you than he did from your parents' generation, but he's put more in you to get it too. And I think we need to let go of something 
before we can tap into that. I was talking about that intangible thing that a good father gives you or maybe a poor father doesn't give you and is missing in your life. That thing that, before you get to the battle, has already decided whether you're going to see it through or not. Before that phone call comes, before that situation turns south, before the diagnosis comes in, there's this intangible thing given to us by fathers that will make or break us before we even get to the battle. Now, as I'm talking, most people in this room are, I mean, you're feeling that there's this empty pocket inside of you that, that the circumstance decides whether you win or lose, doesn't it? You know there's this gap and there's this thing in there, but because God is our Heavenly Father, He wants to not just fill that gap, but He wants to, he wants to fill it so much, like that expanding foam that you put in like to insulate and stuff. It just keeps expanding and expanding. And whatever gap your earthly father left you, God wants to fill that intangible place so that you know when you wake up in the morning that you're a world beater. You know that there's nothing that's going to come against you that's going to take you out. Listen, you know before the battle happens that you will be enough. Not that you will be perfect. Not that people will love you and respect you, but that you will be enough for the challenges for the day. You will be enough for the challenges for the year. You will be enough for parenthood. You will be enough at work. You will be enough for your spouse. That gap is what the Holy Spirit wants to fill for you tonight, and your Heavenly Father wants to step into that role right now. That intangible place, that intangible piece that when you wake up, you don't wake up shaking anymore. You don't wake up wondering what so-and-so thinks about you. It's a fatherless place. I don't wake up in the morning wondering what you think about me. Because I already knew what he thought about me. And if he thought I was enough, then I'm enough. I don't care what you think about me. That's what I want for my daughters. I don't want them to have to go to school and get it there. They have to be a certain way. They have to act a certain way to be treated a certain way. No. You're enough. It'll be enough. You've got to earn respect out there. You've got to do the right thing. But you'll be enough as a person. You will get through this with the help of God. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something in your life that's a spiritual thing because it's a spiritual thing. It's not just a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. And we're going to invite anybody who wants prayer just to stay afterwards here. I want this to be your moment. Your heart's already burning inside of you. You know that it's you that I'm talking to. We're going to have our care corner here. Pastor Richard is going to stay here and, and pray for you. And I want somebody on, of our team to pray for you because God wants to fill that intangible place for you. But there's this... There's this threshold that you're going to have to cross called a trust threshold. You can feel between us there's like this ultimate trust. Because I don't want anything from him. He doesn't want anything from me. I don't have to be dad because he's dad. He doesn't have to be the son because I'm the son. We got it. We crossed this line and it was easy for me to cross that line with God, my heavenly father. That won't be as easy for you because you think that you'll have to feel it before you do it. Trust is not an emotion. It's a decision. Faith is not an emotion. It's a decision. If you... Did the great men and women of God in the Bible make faith-filled decisions because their reality around them was a good one? They had every reason to believe that God was going to come through? They had no reason at all, most of them. They stepped out. It was not an emotional thing. But with our emotions, we protect this place that was broken down by our earthly father sometimes. We protect it. And then we say, well, I can't trust you. What you really mean is, I don't feel like I can. 
But God has never let one person down in the history of mankind, and he never will because he can't. It's not even in him to let you down. And we have to cross this threshold that's not an emotional one. You'll have to work through your emotions. It's not an intellectual one. You'll have to work through that. It is a decision to trust God and say, you come and take the place in my life. You are my father. I don't need this blank spot anymore. I don't need this gap anymore. I don't need this vacuum anymore. I've got you. And if you say I'm enough, then I'm enough. Emotions line up. Headspace line up. If God says I'm enough, I'm going to be enough today with the help of God. And so what I want to do is just pray a general blessing, and then we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to invite you. Just stay behind. we got a little space today. Stay behind, and let's get prayed for, and let's get that peace into your life. You ready? Don't you leave this auditorium without that peace. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, as I've been blessed by my earthly father and by my heavenly father, I do leave a father blessing on this house because I am the father of this house in a lot of regard. And I leave this father blessing with him and I say to every person here, in Christ you are enough. You'll, you'll be enough. You'll be down at the bottom, but in your weakness, God will be strong and you'll be enough. It's not about what you have in you. It's who you have in you. Yes. And Father, I ask for every person even watching online, this would be a powerful time with them that we would cross this barrier of trust right now and say, I am done waiting to feel the emotion that says that I can trust you, God. I'm making a decision. I'm making a stand. I'm putting my name down on the ledger and I'm saying, this person, me, I trust you as my father. Come and be my heavenly father right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.